Thanks for tuning in to Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by The Ingler. In this week's episode, we're taking a look at reforms being made within the Recording Academy to make the Grammy Awards more fair and inclusive. Then we'll talk to Justin Comer about what being an arts worker and a creative in the time of COVID means for him. We'll also hear from Chewy Renteria, the Public Engagement Coordinator at Hancher, about the work he does creating community through the arts and his favorite Iowa City performance. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is supported in part by Goodfellow Printing, a premier sponsor of the Englert Theater. Goodfellow Printing is a full-service printing company with more than 70 years of experience serving our community through printing services and support of the arts. Visit Goodfellow Printing at 408 Highland Court in Iowa City or send an email to bob at goodfellowprinting.com for all of your printing needs. For this edition of Arts News, we're going to be talking about the Recording Academy which is a nonprofit organization that advocates for music creators, industry workers through grants, scholarships, lobbying state and federal lawmakers, uh, funding research. They have a museum. The Academy, however, is most known for its annual production of the Grammy Awards, music's biggest night of stars and performance and glitz and glamour. But in the past few years, the Academy has been basically imploding with drama. I'm talking one thing after the next. I'm talking we could spend a whole episode just trying to unpack all the staff changes, accusations, investigations taking place. But we want to focus on what's most important and relevant to the greater music community. And that's the demand for the Grammys to be accountable and transparent in its inclusiveness. So in 2018, the Recording Academy Diversity and Inclusion Task Force was created to examine the ways in which the Academy lacked diversity and inclusion, hence the name. (laughs) The task force was born directly from comments made in the 2018 Grammys by then-President Neil Portnow, saying that women needed to, quote-unquote, step up if they wanted to win more Grammys. Ew. While the public backlash and demands for Portnow's resignation sparked the task force, it was... uh, apparently long overdue. For example, one study predating the incident found that 91.7%, 91% of Grammy noms over a five-year period in the record, album, song, new artist, and producer of the year categories went to men. This trend also existed within the Academy's governing committees. Between 2015 and 2017, 74% of the nomination review committee's members were men. So the task force assembled in 2018, and in December of 2019, they released a 47-page report with 18 recommendations. To give you an example of what some of these recommendations look like, they proposed a change in how the voting process occurred. They want a ranked voting process. Uh, They asked for a change in the demographic makeup of the academy committees. They asked for a revamp of the board of trustees, which has been 68% male and 69% white since 2012. So the Academy gets these recommendations and its reaction was slow at first, but it has agreed to implement 17 of the 18 recommendations and we're starting to see that promise in action. So this year, the Academy invited 2,300 new members using the community-driven and peer-reviewed membership model that was announced and recommended in 2018. 48% of the new invitees were female and 37% were minorities. 
The Academy also appointed its first ever chief diversity officer, Valicia Butterfield-Jones, who will create programs focused on inclusion in the music industry at an executive level. Leaders outside of the Academy's task force are having an influence as well. You might remember, I remember earlier this year after the Grammy Awards, Tyler, the creator, was having a press conference and one of the reporters asked him how he felt about winning a Grammy Award given a lot of information that was coming to light about the lack of transparency in the voting process, conflicts of interest in the voting process. And he said he was grateful to the Academy for the validation, the recognition, but he felt that being placed in the rap category was a backhanded compliment. So he won the Grammy for his album, Igor, um, which is actually less than 30% comprised of rapping. It's more melodies, orchestration, uh, arrangements, singing. So he said he felt that Black artists were being pigeonholed into the rap and urban categories when really many of them were making alternative music, pop music, and music that deserved to be up for album of the year. So the Academy recently announced it's renamed the Best Urban Contemporary Prize to Best Progressive R&B Album, and it redefined the parameters of the award. Now, obviously, a name change isn't going to solve the underlying prejudices uh, in music that Tyler, the creator, was addressing there. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction, and it's showing that this kind of leadership can make a difference. And I think we we owe a lot to the artists like Tyler um, P. Diddy, Sean Combs, uh, gave a speech for the pre-Grammy gala earlier this year. That was really poignant. Um... And the initiatives like the hashtag the show must be paused, they're putting the effort in and showing the leadership and using the platforms to make the changes that we've been needing to see for a long time in the music industry. And I don't know about you guys, but that makes me hopeful for the future of music being more inclusive and accountable and accessible to everyone. And that's our news, baby. I'm here with Justin K. Comer, who is a musician, a sound engineer for the Cedar Rapids Municipal Band, podcast host, presenter of I Hear I See, production assistant at the Inglert, and he rocks the most stunning pair of mutton chops you've ever seen in your life. So, Justin, really appreciate you being here today. Thanks for the intro. That was uh, a nice (laughs) list of everything I do. Uh, Thanks for including the K also. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll show you off a little. Okay, so I want to start off by asking you a little bit about I Hear I See. So that's a, a month, a free monthly concert series and weekly radio show featuring local Iowa City artists. Um, and they it generally is uh, four acts performing short sets, and they're of a variety of genres. Right. Um, can you talk about the inspiration for this series and how it came to light? Sure. Um, it actually started before I lived here. Uh, I don't have everyone's names off the top of my head, but it was founded in 2009. It got passed down to Zach Zubo and then Andy Theoroff. And then uh, 
I took it over in 2015 with my friends Carlos Catayo Solaris and Kasia Lazinski. Uh, so when it, when it was founded, it was kind of an effort to bring together music students at the university with musicians uh, outside of the university, just like in the local Iowa City arts scene, uh, because a lot of the times those people will never cross paths. So we need we need to create spaces for them to meet each other. And it is on a hiatus as of now. Yeah. But before the hiatus, what what are some of the challenges or I don't know, uh, good good parts about producing a concert series at, at this like sort of DIY level? Like what oh, yeah. what what made you want to take that on? Uh well, it's uh I needed something to do every month. I needed <laughs> <laughs> I needed to uh motivate myself to, you know, do live performances and to help other people do live performances. Um, one of the the benefits of it being like a really DIY style series, as opposed to a more like professional production is it's just less stressful. Like everybody that's coming to these shows kind of knows the score. Like we're, we're not going to mm. be stressed out about anything that happens tonight. We're all just <laughs> here for a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a kind of a variety, not only of the genres that are being presented, but also in like the experience levels of the people who are performing at each of these shows. So we'll often have people who like this is their first time doing this in front of an audience. And then we'll also have people who have been doing this, like playing music live for 20 years on the same right. show. Yeah. Which is cool because that, you know, in addition to bringing together people from different scenes, it's also bringing uh, new artists into the same room as veterans. Sure. Yeah, that's that is really cool to get that that mixed bag in a show. You know, you're not just going and seeing all the same thing and all, at all the same performance levels. Yeah, it's easy to just uh, find yourself surrounded by the same people the whole time you live in mm -hmm. Iowa City, which for most people is only limited number of years but i've been here for eight years this is my home now <laughs> and you've sort of been on both ends of like you know the really high caliber shows at the inglert and then also you've been on the end of you know the diy um you know self-produced sorts of things what are what are some of the things you enjoy about each and I'm kind of curious of like where where you think they'll go after the pandemic. Ooh, if you that, have any thoughts on that? That last part's a big. I know that question. was that was a loaded <laughs> one. <laughs> Mobby. Uh yeah, so I I've worked at the Anglert since 2018, and I'd say yeah, the shows that I've worked there have been kind of the biggest productions that I've ever been involved with, and the benefits there is usually that you're dealing with um i guess stuff that's been more planned out like you've got big names touring and they've been doing the same show basically in every city night after night they know exactly how everything is supposed to go um there's uh it you know with like the the cheaper diy stuff that i do more of the time like there's there's fun in the unknown there but uh it's also nice to just 
have everybody on the same page. I guess the professional mm-hmm. stuff is often easier because everybody knows what they're doing already. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Just from the challenge. The reason I asked about like the post-pandemic thing is because, I mean, there, you know, between the the DIY shows and the Englert shows, and then there's also the you know the venues that are more small and mid-sized, like the Mill. It's it seems like th- there can't be a same result just by the way they're all different. Like when I talk to my friends, we're like wondering like, is there going to be a huge like resurgence of DIY after all this is done? Hmm. Um, Maybe for unfortunate reasons, you know, small venues are struggling or shut down, you know, maybe it'll come back to the house shows or Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you had any thoughts on how that might play out. Yeah, the main thing that I've been thinking about recently with uh, live music and the pandemic is that basically if you're going to put on a show right now under current conditions, you either are going to fail because you aren't able to draw enough of an audience or you're going to get a bunch of people sick because you drew an audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, So going forward, like if the virus continues to be like a major concern, I guess like limited audience is going to be an absolute necessity. So, but also you don't really want to be indoors at all. So maybe like smaller outdoor performances will be more common. Yeah. I mean, hopefully after a vaccine is found after everyone gets it together, you know, when it, when it is safer to, coalesce or it is safe to coalesce together Mm -hmm. again i just can't imagine that things will be the same and you know we're going to be hopefully seeing sort of like a renaissance of everyone stuck inside everyone's experimenting with new music honestly i've been kind of neglecting uh my creative side over the past few months it's difficult for me to make music right now because i feel like i the future is very uh, up in the air. Like, I don't know yeah. if I'm going to be able to do this in front of people anytime soon. And that makes it difficult for me to do it at all. Uh, I did, when I was learning how to get the live streaming stuff together, I did do a brief, just like keyboard improv stream on my Facebook a few weeks ago. I don't know. That mm-hmm. was fun, but it's, <laughs> I'm finding it more difficult to do anything more serious than that. Yeah. It's hard to like hunker down when there's not like a a vision or a goal in the near future. Like, yeah, I'm going to have this set at Gabe's like, you know, Crystal's doing that thing at Gabe's and I did it and mm-hmm. it inspired me to like, oh, I have goals for this set and what I want to do. And now I'm going to work on those. And then once it was over, it was like there was nothing to look forward to again. And then I was just like. Right. Yeah. yeah. When I when I don't have something on the calendar that like I need to work on. Yeah. And I don't have anything on the calendar for the next, what, year plus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard to uh, to work on anything. Yeah. Self-motivating is a beast. And I yeah. feel like I was not warned about it. Okay, well, switching gears a little bit, would you talk to us a little bit about the podcast you host? Sure, yeah. This has been like the most... Uh, consistent thing that I've kept up with since I've had to stay inside. Um, 
my friends and I started a politics podcast in August of last year uh, called Rock Hard Caucus. It's a kind of a dirty joke name. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the name kind of uh, gives you a hint as to what you'll be getting because sure. we're, we're talking about politics and we're very vulgar and mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Stunning. <laughs> We know what we're getting into. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, podcasts are one of those things that you can continue doing when you, you don't have any, when you have to stay inside. And we were already recording remotely. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't too difficult of a transition for us to just continue recording episodes. Um, yeah, we started last year kind of as the, like a countdown to the Iowa caucus. And then the caucus happened and we, continued talking about electoral politics for uh, about a month after that and then kind of checked out of that world. (laughs) You may, maybe you can imagine why. Um, It got a little little bit more depressing than it had been. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and we've continued. uh, I mean, we've had like guests from some other like more famous podcasts. Uh, right before the Iowa caucus, we had some of the people from Chapo Trap House on. Um, right after the caucus, uh, we talked to Jack Allison. He does a show called Struggle Session. Uh, we've had a couple people from a podcast called Eat the Rich, which uh, has kind of been blowing up over the past few months. They've been getting pretty popular. And then just last week, we had... Uh, Brett Payne from Street Fight Radio on our show. He's a he's a cool like anarchist dad who lives in Ohio. <laughs> it feels like um it feels like a an intense time to be hosting a political podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's an emotionally draining or exhausting thing to keep up with? Um, it can be. I mean, we we're trying to like be funny about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and a lot of the subject matter is like deeply serious and horrible. So that that can be a challenge sometimes. But also I, I mean a lot of people like are able to find humor in the worst possible subject matter. And that makes it kind of easier to digest for a lot of people as well. So Honestly, I think doing the show uh, is actually like emotionally and mentally good for me. Mm. It, it helps me to digest it in a way where like I'm just discussing it with my friends and we're trying to goof around. That's I mean, that's one thing that I that I'm excited to see a lot of is like people who are creating podcasts or like I joined a book club for the mm-hmm. first time in forever virtual <laughs> book club. And I guess seeing people together in a way that is centered around like conversation and art and community is like a much more constructive and educational medium than, uh, yeah, just reading the news by yourself and being <laughs> depressed because that happens yeah, in a yeah. big way. Um, even if, even if no one ends, ends up listening or people do end up listening or you do get cool people to come on your podcast, it's mm-hmm. still like a, a constructive thing to do. Yes. Yes. Um, I guess my last question is um, when you are looking for 
you know, nuggets of inspiration right now or something to make you feel good? What, what do you go to? What's, what do you turn to? It's a good question. Uh, yeah, recently, like, I guess when I'm feeling like the weight of, uh, the global pandemic, you heard of this, uh, when I'm feeling like pretty bad, uh, I tend to just kind of pop in my headphones and just go on a walk for as long as possible. Mm. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I've just really been listening to podcasts. I haven't been getting into music as much recently, but, um, what have I been listening to? I mean, the podcasts that I mentioned, the people that we had as guests on, on my show, like I enjoy their work, Mm -hmm. listening to other people talk about the world and laugh about it helps me. Yeah, so uh, Street Fight Radio, I mentioned them. Uh, they, they're doing a series on metal music on their Patreon, which is fun. They kind of just started that. Uh, but yeah, just kind of like going on a walk alone to just leave the house for a while, uh, actually exercise, because that's also something I've been struggling with. I could just sit here on this chair all day. Yep. Uh, just pop my headphones in walk for miles and miles until I basically can't walk anymore and then just come home. That makes me feel a little better. It makes me feel like I've done something with my mind and body. (laughs) Absolutely. Get them steps in. Come (laughs) on now. All right, Justin. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And um, if y'all want to support Justin or any of the projects he's working on, uh, you can check out his website, justincomer.com. Um, his podcast has a Patreon page, patreon.com slash rockhard caucus. I hear IC has a Patreon page as well. Mm-hmm. You can just Google it. You'll find it. I swear. <laughs> uh, Justin, thank you so much again. Yes. Thank you, Ellie. This episode is supported by film scene. Iowa City's nonprofit cinema dedicated to enriching our community through film that challenges, inspires, educates, and entertains. More than a movie theater, Film Scene regularly hosts conversations, filmmaker visits, partnership screenings, and education workshops, in addition to the best in classic and new release films. With two locations in downtown Iowa City, Film Scene is a year-round destination for great movies paired with beer, wine, and Iowa's best popcorn. For films and showtimes, visit icfilmscene.org. I'm here with Jesus Chewy Renteria, who simply does it all. He's an author, dancer, storyteller, teacher, and he's also the public engagement coordinator at Hancher. So, Chewy, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, so this is not an unfamiliar medium for you. Uh, You've been hosting the Hancher Presents podcast for over three years now. Um, as a part of your role at Hancher. Can you give us a synopsis of the podcast uh, as well as the other kinds of things you do uh, at Hancher? Yeah, for sure. So uh, the Hancher Presents podcast, we started it to coincide with the opening of the new building. So at the time, it was the education manager, uh, Micah, Ariel, James, and myself, and we co-hosted it. And basically the way we looked at it is it was – an auxiliary to our, our proper season. So we tried to do episodes that surrounded some of the artists that we brought in through Hancher. We tried to score interviews and we actually succeeded in getting quite a bit of, of cool kind of 
insider interviews with some of the artists that we brought in. Um, we would record some of the engagement activities that we did with the artists in the community. So if they did like a talk back at the library, we, we, we could record that and present mm. it for the podcast too, which was really nice because sometimes those events by the, the nature of the limitations with people, it's like there'd be 30 people at the event, but we could get it out to hundreds online, especially if the artists had like a big like Twitter following or something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the fun thing is right now, I don't know if it's, it's fun. It's just the necessary thing is right now we're doing a special like I guess a pandemic version of it because like we don't have a season and we were right now we were supposed to be doing the big splash, which is like this huge event that we're going to do in the summer that we've been working for main, maybe like three years we've been working towards. And, and, you know, with COVID it's not happening. So we kind of pivoted and now we've been doing um, episodes about uh, artists and, and how they're, they're kind of managing this pandemic and how they're still trying to make art um, and I think you, you interviewed, uh, Leslie and Mark Nolte and we interviewed Leslie as well. So it's kind of, I think it was, yeah, <laughs> but I think it's, it's like really necessary conversations that we need to have right now about, yeah, I mean, like this is hitting everybody, but I think the, the discourse has kind of not really focused on artists and, and, you know, presenters like the angler and, and Hancher and everybody else. It's, it's a tough time. So some of those conversations are really hopeful. Some of them are very, you know, pragmatic and realistic about like, Hey, this, this is a tough time for everybody. Yeah. I, that that's an excellent way to look at that. I really, I really commend you for looking at it that way and for being on the podcast game for so long. That's that's got to be helpful. Now you're like, oh, we're already on it. It is time for you to tell us your audience audience experience at the best show ever. Um, what have you got? Set the scene for us. Here. For sure. Okay, so I, I I got one that I think is a little. It's it. it rolls into the conversations that we've been having um I, can i do some like honorable mentions first oh please, okay. please. everyone does because <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so hard to like boil it down to one but like yeah big boy at the imu performed uh big boy of outcasts and that was just like that was amazing it's um mayor hawthorne at uh blue moose uh was was awesome and it was a little bit before he kind of like you know, I, mean, I think he's still, you know, he's he's still kind of like under the radar. But when he when I think it was like on a Sunday for 10 bucks and we got to see him mm. and it was amazing. Um, Brother Ali at um, Gabe's Brother Ali's performed a couple of times. And yeah. I, just, I remember just being there in the audience and, and just really being uh, impacted by him. But I'm going to do just like a really kind of esoteric one. Um, and it, I think it speaks a lot to the history of, of Iowa City, but uh, I used to be a part of this hip hop organization called Phase, um, and it stood for Progressive Hip Hop: A Scene Evolving. Uh, and it was when I was in high school, so it was maybe like two thousand and one, two thousand two, and we were the Breakers, right? So we were the Breakers that were part of this like hip hop group, and mm-hmm. a- as like teenagers in high school were looking up to these like college students that were making this like hip hop organization. Um, and we would do monthly performances throughout Iowa city. And it was almost like a, like a hip hop showcase. 
So we had the like MCs there. We had DJs. We had like graph artists that put up the, their work, and we would go and you know break. As my my crew at the time was, we were the distinctive nobodies. So, so like the nobodies would be going in. You know, you for sure watch them cipher. And we did the one that comes to mind that like I, I hold in high regard is we performed with uh, this like monthly hip hop showcase at Public Space One. And Public Space One at the time was in a space above the Deadwood. So it's like, like mm-hmm. you have the Deadwood and then you go up these stairs and it's like this actually like big kind of like funky gallery space that's all carpeted. Um, and we would perform there every month and we had like a, a good following and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it was like our friends that would and family that would come and support us and we would support each other. Mm-hmm. But I was in, it was right after I graduated high school. So 2003. And I got into the, there's a camp at the university called the Iowa Young Writers Studio. And it's for like high school students to go two weeks and be on campus and get taught by like Writers Workshop alum. So it just so happened that I was in this camp at the same time that we had this like monthly hip hop showcase. So I told everybody at the camp to go. And so everybody went and it was like, you know, like an extra 75 people to this hip hop show at, and like above public six one. So all the artists were like super amped because all of a sudden this, oh, yeah. like a, a performance that used usually like maybe 20 people was like close to like a hundred. So like all the MCs were going off and like, all the, like and, and, and the nice thing is that it, all the people in this camp, cause the camps from people from all over the country. And like, you know, they had the writer's workshop alum that were like, you know, living at all, different parts of the country as well and i remember one of the like writers workshop alum like our you know camp counselor guy getting on the phone Mm -hmm. and talking to his friend he's like guess where i'm at he's like i'm in iowa city dude do you hear this like hip-hop going on in (laughs) iowa city i remember being so proud of that and so just like this is amazing and it was just like this one moment where kind of like everything just was able to come together and we're, we're able to have this really like cool performance that I still remember to this day. And it, it speaks a little bit to, um, cause like we were talking earlier about how we, you know, there's Kawada that some friends of mine did um, collaboration of all the arts. Um, and mm-hmm. my friend like uh, Nick Wang had a really good big part of that, but when he did, and so Kawada is almost like the same thing. I think it's a little bit bigger in scope yeah. because it can be any type of artist, right? Um, it doesn't have to be necessarily just specifically hip hop. But when mm-hmm. when Nick did Kawada and kind of told me about it, it reminded me of these like hip hop showcases that I did, you know, 2003. I don't you know. I don't know how 16, 17 years ago. And so it, yeah. it kind of reminds me it, it, of how it felt to be the high schooler that was young and, and really inspired by all these different folks. And, and now that I'm, I just turned 35 last week. And now that I'm like the, the OG, it's just like still trying to be um, inspired and still kind of letting the the younger generation do things like this, where I can be a part of it and kind of help guide them too. So that's why I think I I hold it in, in high regard. But there was there was some trying to think of the different artists. So it's like there's a guy James Truth, which was an MC from Chicago that performed. Um, there was a DJ, uh, an amazing DJ. His name is Brandon Ao A U, and he goes now he goes by DJ Soul Rising S O L Rising, um, and he DJs for like yoga, 
like big yoga. Like he does like, cool. like kind of like, um, like electronic dance music with like a kind of chill vibe for like yoga retreats and stuff. At the time he was known as DJ squint. Um, because like that's what his friends called him, and he kind of embraced it. And since then, he's just like, dude, that, that was a that's a problematic name. <laughs> <laughs> but but DJ Squint was he was from Fairfield, and he was just like a, an amazing DJ. And he actually went to um, DMCs, which is the Disco Mixing Championships, which is like the biggest like scratch competition DJ. And he made it to like the semifinals in one of them. And he went to like scribble jam, which I think is in Colorado, but like, like world-class DJ. And like now he's in San Francisco and doing his thing as like soul rising, but like he was at these like monthly hip hop things too. So it's like this kind of weird. And like the way I look at it now is like, you can see kind of some of these um, MC animosity who's with, um, I believe it's the Uniphonics now. Wait, no, not you. Maybe Uniphonics. But but he's he, you know he's he's still doing his thing like in the Iowa City scene like as as like a kind of like resident MC like Derek Thorne. Shout out to Derek Thorne, yeah. But it's it's kind of awesome to like think of back on that and like Public Space One. The fact that like Public Space One is still a huge fixture of this community and like they're still yeah. doing things and like we're we've collaborated with them through Hancher, you know. So it's like it's really interesting to like like you said, like I have all this knowledge and history and to be able to like reflect on it and like kind of still have it shape like I never would have known when I was 15, 16 year old doing this like show that 20 years later I'd still be trying to do similar things for other folks. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that sort of goes to show like, you know, people don't think of Iowa City as like a a big place for any like one music genre or type or culture, you know, like your friends calling someone else and be like, you won't believe where I am and this is happening. But it's like not about the geography, but it's about what the people are doing here. And like, you know, you made that event at your age. Nick Wang invented Kawada, which like... You know, I remember when he was telling me about it, I was like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like a bit ambitious. Mm -hmm. You know, I had my doubts, you know, I was like, wow, that's like a lot. Put it together. It was amazing. Like met so many amazing people there. Um, So the things are still happening. You know, it's it's more just about the community putting it on rather than. The the geography or. Yeah, I I think it speaks environment speaks to like there's a history here too right and there's yeah. there's different people that if you speak to them they they can you know talk to you about that history like talk to like John and Kamiya at Public Space 1 and they know all the different things that have happened and one of my biggest pet peeves is when newer folks to the scene like they might come to like Iowa or like Iowa City and they they don't kind of do that history and nobody can know everything but sometimes like we we've had a really big one recently where somebody in Des Moines through like a, a hip hop festival. And, and I mean, this was like two, three years ago. And they're like, this is the first hip hop festival in the history of Iowa. It's just like, no, we did the, you know, okay. yeah. like what constitutes a hes- festival? Cause like we were doing things in, you know, 2000, that was like, you know, we had everything. Right. So it, and it, 
I think it comes from a good place. It comes from a place where people are excited and they want to like jumpstart a scene that they don't think is happening. But it's also like, yo, you, you should do some research because maybe those folks can help you out too. And maybe you can be inspired by them. And it's not just like the OGs being like, "Mm, these new kids don't know. Maybe it's like, we're, we're here helping each other out. Yeah, totally. Well, excited to see whatever happens next. Like what, what the next iteration of that is and you know what next thing maybe you can help advise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can be together in the same room <laughs> yeah, <for that>. right. no. <laughs> very soon so i i think my prediction is that like you know when however this boils over however we 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 figure it out if there's a, a vaccine or people just kind of you know get some act right about themselves about it but it's like yeah. it i think people are gonna want that connection so much they're gonna want to you know, people that before they're like, eh, I don't know if I should go to this list local improv thing. Now there's like, nope, I'm gonna go. I'll be frenzy, like yep. have my arms around my buddies. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited. I, I have a hope for that. That I, I think we as artists and and kind of the the people that are behind the scenes trying to cultivate the scene. I think there's going to yeah. be so much more willingness to, to to jump in, and I'm excited for that. I don't know how long it'll take to get there, but I th- I'm hopeful for it. I'm I'm with you. I'm 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 optimistic about the boom, the art boom yeah. after this is all said and done. Well, thank you so much again. This has been so fun and it's nice to like I've seen you perform, but it's nice to finally like have a conversation and like meet yeah. and all that jazz. No, thank you too. And and likewise Our song of the week this week is Movement 3 by Eastern Iowa jazz trio 3 made up of Chris Jensen on drums, Nolan Schroeder on tenor sax, and Blake Shaw on double bass and vocals. The movement comes from 3O's recently released 3O Isolation Suite, Sweet Isolation, a freely composed four-movement suite depicting their feelings of isolation and anxiety during quarantine, as well as their search for meaning, answers, hope, and calm. The suite can be found online at bandcamp.com. Here it is, 3-0 Isolation Suite, Suite Isolation Movement 3.
all the world's a stage, and Hills Bank is here to help you put your show on from anywhere with the Here by Hills Bank app. Talk or text with a banker of your choice to get the banking services you need without having to stop by a branch. You can open an account, take out a loan, get financial advice, solve issues, and much more. You don't even have to be a customer. Download the Here by Hills Bank app today on the App Store or Google Play. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Thanks for listening to Best Show Ever. Many of our productions, including this show, are made possible through the support of our Friends of the Englert program. Visit englert.org friends to learn more about the program and donate today.